0: Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show, powered by Synapse Energy Economics and Climable.org. This time on the Energy Nerd Show. In New England, there is actually the ISO. New England is the system operator. They actually have developed some tools that allow using emission rates for certain fuel types. So you can estimate what the fuel consumption is doing in terms of net system emissions. Energy Nerd Show.
1: Hey, Jeannie, who's our guest on the show today? This morning, we have Patricio Silva from Synapse. Good morning, Patricio. Patricio.
0: Good morning. How are you? Doing fine.
1: Good. We're struggling a bit because Bruce has laryngitis, but we're going to try to go forward anyway. What are we going to talk about today?
0: Well, I thought one thing that we could uh, discuss today is what's happening now with electricity generation, Um, here locally for us in New England and also across the US and some of the issues that we're having with being able to see real-time data um, across all of these power grids and understand what's happening with some of the trends and the economic investment decisions that operators are making because Policymakers, as we all know, Congress just enacted this huge watershed climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, and it's going to carve out some fairly significant changes in the power grid, and it kind of makes it more important to understand what's happening on a real-time basis. Most power grids do actually post uh, data feeds that allow you to see what's generating what on an hour-by-hour basis. However, there's a big gap uh, between power generation data and emissions data. Um, Most emissions data is not available on a real-time basis. There are some tools available, a couple of websites that allow you to look at some emissions data, particularly carbon dioxide emissions. But if you're looking for quality assured data, we have to wait for the end of each quarter of the calendar year and then Power plants submit that data to EPA, and EPA then scrutinizes it, scrubs the data for errors, and then once it's quality assured, they post it. And it's an immensely powerful tool to have it available, but it's typically available only in these quarterly chunks 45 days after the quarter ends. So if you're a policymaker trying to understand what happened with power generation over the summer in your region, you have to wait until October to see what the results were. So there's no real-time basis. And this is going to become more urgent as we're trying to quantify both carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas reductions we're trying to achieve from the power grid and also understand the implications of changes in electricity demand where we're having electric vehicles come onto the system and they're gonna have charging patterns that are gonna vary. And also, if we're successful in shifting a large chunk of both residential and commercial buildings to full electrification, reaching or being near net zero status, having this data is going to become more crucial.
1: That system does not sound good with that lag and even not just the 45 days, but just doing it quarterly does seem like it should be more... Real time. Can you give us a little bit of context about what is happening now in let's say in New England?
0: In New England, there is actually the ISO. New England is the system operator. They manage the power grid. They're responsible for the high voltage transmission network across the region, um, all the imports from the neighboring control areas into the region, and they also tell. Uh, through an energy market, how individual generators should operate, whether or not they're going to be dispatched on a particular hour or uh, the next day. They actually have developed some tools that allow using emission rates for a certain fuel types so you can estimate what the fuel consumption is doing in terms of net system emissions. And it's a fairly course, Uh, it's not as granular as data from individual power plants, but it's a good start. And that data is kind of available um, on their website. And you can see this chart up here that shows CO2 data um, on an hourly basis. And that, again, is based on an estimate. It's not direct measurements, but it's a start. And ISO New England is one of the few Um, California has actually had a system up and operating, and you can see it here, that is actually much more elaborate, and they've been doing it for several years now. Um, New England just started a few months ago, but that's kind of the trend we're hoping to see that other ISOs and RTOs, which these power grid operators are called in the jargon, um, adopt similar metrics, so you can actually measure the performance of the system on hopefully an hourly basis, and then summary data will be comes available on a monthly basis. And that would actually kind of fill the gap we currently have between the very good data set that EPA has that is individual power plant data aggregated up and the data that these power grids have.
1: That sounds like a big improvement. So what would people do with that data? If the policymakers and planners and people have that data in real time, what would they do with it?
0: It's a good question, Bruce, because what's the use of the data? Well, for one, we're currently seeing some interesting trends here in New England. um, And this chart up here uh, shows it. This is from the Energy Information Administration. And it shows the change between 2016 and 2022 for the impact of solar on the New England power grid on an hourly basis. And you can see what's happening here is a really interesting kind of phenomenon. We've added about 3,800 megawatts of behind the meter solar across new england that's the pv systems on well for my house lots of other houses commercial buildings elsewhere and then also there's another 2000 megawatts of larger scale projects i have a project in my town that's been in operating for four years, and it's just over one megawatt in capacity. Those projects have actually all contributed to modifying our morning energy demand, what we call the ramp. The morning ramp typically was a high, and now that is diving down. Interesting part though is that on the evening, or as we see a diminishment in solar production, right around peak evening demand, evening demand has actually increased. And you can see the Energy Information Administration chart here shows how it's actually increased significantly, going from a spike of around 700 megawatts to now the peak can be over 1800. And that reflects increased demand for electricity for various purposes, including vehicle charging, and also increased use of electricity, partly reflecting shifts in the regional economy due to the pandemic, more remote work and other activities that are uh, more dispersed, uh, so requiring more electricity. And so these changes are kind of like, once you see the more granular data, the policymakers who have enacted a raft of legislation and rules to set cleaner electricity, renewable uh, development across the region, including offshore wind, can better fine tune some of the regulations and uh, legislation that they're going to need to adjust over time to kind of offer incentives. One could possibly be something that you guys have discussed in past shows, I believe, time of use rates to incentivize people to make changes. During the pandemic, one thing that we always did, uh, ended up doing was because I was having a boatload of uh, solar production that I wasn't using in the mornings now I'm running my dishwasher, I'm washing my clothes, doing all those things during the morning hours. Those were typically chores that we handled in the evenings uh, because we were, well, that's when we were home. Um, but those shifts and loads are not something that a policymaker can see without the data. And having that hourly data and also understanding what the even the estimated emissions are associated with it are important because it can make better choices. Uh, Here in New England, a good example is during every hot day this summer, we've seen a pattern where the system is over 50% natural gas fired. Um, It relies on significant imports of hydro from Quebec um, and also uh, imports from New York. But at the end of the day, to meet the evening peak, they're actually having to fire up a lot of oil fired generators which is kind of remarkable that in this day and age, we're relying on some resources that, well, they're almost as old as I am, and I'm in my 50s. And that's not the best choice, arguably. So having something available, a tool that lets policymakers know this is what's happening in real time. And if you really want to reduce emissions, if you really want to minimize pollution in host communities of power plants, you have to be making different choices so we can avoid situations where we're having to resort to the oldest, least efficient, most expensive resource on the system to meet power demands on a hot summer day.
1: That's incredible. I don't think most people know that, first of all. And I think that you mentioned electric vehicles, which we hope that market is just going to grow and grow and grow. It's a it's a thing that charging a vehicle seems like it's a high you know, high demand thing. It takes more than your washer in the, in the moment. So I was thinking first, oh, hey, if you told me it's going to cost me $10 if I charge my EV at 5 p.m., but it'll cost me $2 if I wait till after 10, that's easy. I would just do that. But I think that a lot of people who drive EVs maybe are early adopters and maybe care about the environment. So if you just said, Charging at five PM makes the oil-fired power plants go on, or you know something similar. That would be enough incentive. Just having good information in even close to real time would could make a huge difference. We don't even. Yes, I would love time of use rates, save some money, but really, just have, that's that's awful. I, I hate to hear that. Um, and I don't know how. I don't know if you have a sense of the scale of the EV charging uh, now, but I'm sure the projections are just going up and up.
0: Well, you can see the projections here for New England, um, but at the moment, they're frankly modest. So the, uh, the percentage of battery electric vehicles, um, I have a hybrid 2012 Prius that has got a much smaller battery pack and only takes like it just shy of three hours to charge it, but that could be enough. The other thing to remember with electric vehicles is something I've discovered uh, is that I'm doing a lot more short trips. So a tank of gas for me might last three weeks simply because my battery pack will last me at least 10 miles. And if I'm dropping my kids off during the summer at camp or taking them to uh, sports practice uh, during the rest of the year, getting some groceries or running other errands and combining all those, I might just end up making it back to the garage with you know a 10th of a mile left in the battery but I yeah, charge it back up, it's ready to go. And again, you might not be using it. So that's the harder part that I think the power grid operator here in New England, ISO New England and others are grappling with is trying to forecast the hourly, the daily transportation, electricity demand, where charging charger is gonna happen. Because remember, some of us are not gonna have access to a charger every day. Um, it's going to be something we're going to have to seek them out in, as an amenity in shopping uh, malls, uh, rest areas, and or a dedicated uh, charging area. Um, we've got a gas station uh, in my community that's actually exploring adding charging to its uh, footprint. But again, those things will vary and those demands, and some folks, you know, if you're working a second shift and stopping in late, you might wanna to go to a level three, one of those high voltage chargers, get some shopping done uh, someplace, and then, or maybe stop and have dinner. You know, You spend a half an hour, you might get 80% of your battery charging needs taken care of in that one stop. That might last you several days. So that's the big challenge right now. And that's why data is going to be increasingly, especially for us to understand what's happening in terms of what's the emissions associated with charging. And that's a linkage we're not seeing. Uh, Yet yeah, we don't no one is offering uh, that kind of tool. There are various third- party providers. We've seen folks talking about it. There are some startups that are trying to explore this and see where the opportunities might lie. But again, it's valuable data that's going to be crucial for policymakers going forward to make really good choices on a clean energy transition.
1: We need that data. Thanks for being on the show, Patricia. Thanks for being on the show, Patricia, <laughs> says Bruce.
0: It was my very great pleasure. And, Bruce, I hope you mend quickly.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank
1: you. Good to see you. Check out the show notes for visuals and links for more info on the topics discussed. You can find the Energy Nerd Show
0: on social media pretty much everywhere at Energy Show or on
1: our website at energynerdshow.com. Thanks for listening.